Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate a lack of sleep. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate that there aren't more hours in a day. I want there to be more hours in a day so that I can sleep during them. (laughs) I'm guessing you want there to be more hours just so you can get more stuff done? Yeah, like, it's stupid. Like, I, this whole last week, I go to, like, I wake up earlier than I want to, Mm -hmm. I go to work longer than I want to, and then I have, like, two hours to build stuff for the set, which is not enough time, and then we have a four-hour rehearsal where there's just still not enough time, and then I get home, and it's, like, 9.30, when I get home, and yeah, I've been up for, like, 18 hours. I'm like, hey, okay, I, I got to go to bed because I got to do it all over again, but I don't want to go to bed. I want to, like... Each of those, I want like five hours of set build and like six hours of rehearsal, and then every day, mm-hmm. and I feel like that would be okay. Uh, we might be able to get. What about on. relaxing time? <laughs> no, there is none. There is no, no. But like, if you were gonna add hours in the day, wouldn't you want to add a couple hours for relaxing time? No, because I'd need all the other hours You'd to get <laughs> all the stuff done that I need to get done. Right. Right. Yeah. So. The show is next weekend. So, I mean, it's it opens in less than a week. When's your first performance? Do you have a school performance this week? Uh, yeah, so we have two in-school days where it's Wednesday. We do it for the middle school. Thursday, we do it for the high school. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday are our public performances. So, mm. we have two rehearsals left. Yeah. I'm not panicking. You're panicking. <laughs> Actually, I'm not panicking, because at the end of the day, it's high school theater, and people that are watching won't care. They'll just enjoy it for what it is. But another school just did Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh. They just had their opening weekend. So I already know my set looks better than theirs. I saw some okay. pictures, and I fucking killed myself over this set, and it looks very right. good. But I don't know anything about their performances. Sure. So their kids could be better than my kids. You shouldn't say that out loud. My kids won't I'm listen sure to this. sure all your kids are amazing. Well, they are. But what if their kids are more amazinger? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is theoretically possible. Right. Highly unlikely, though. Yeah. We have some really solid kids. Uh, they're doing a great job. Good. I am... That's exciting, though. New shows are always exciting. I am... What ringing every possible drop of everything I possibly can get out of every single one of those kids, mm-hmm. and they're exhausted. <laughs> they all hate you. They're they're like, I can't wait for next week. Yeah, I f- I feel done. like I mean this is not something the listeners are going to know about, but I feel like Dave Carbone, the old band director, in all that. Right. Like we could all joke around and have fun, or it could we could be really good and have fun because right. we're really good, because it's fun. Yeah, to that be was good. That was always one of my biggest takeaways from him. That yeah. when parents, and of course it was parents. It was never the kids complaining that they were right. working too hard. It was the parents complaining that their kids were working too hard because parents have to ruin everything for their children. I could go off on a whole tirade about the awful, awful band parents at Belbrook High School when I was in school and when you were in school, but. 
Yes, that was one of the biggest things that I learned from him that I enjoy and and still think about is like yes you can goof around and have fun but for me the most fun thing is to be good like if we go out there and we're winning competitions that's way more fun than dicking around for two hours a day for three months right and then showing up to a competition and getting like nowhere near top three yeah because that's like you can really disheartening like you don't make memories that way you can see that in the way that the Bellbrook High School marching band went after Dave Carbone left. Right. I mean, listeners don't care. But, like, when I was in school, in high school, we were one of the best marching bands in the country. A top, like, literally a top 20 marching band in the country. For the size of our school, we were top three, top two. We won our category of schools in the mid-tier of schools. We won one year. Out of the entire nation, we won. And after Dave Carbone left, our, like, Bellbrook wasn't even making semifinals. They weren't even making the top 40, top 50. It makes a difference, man. Yeah. Because they had more relaxed leaders. And this is, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to shit on any of the band leaders that came after. They were a product of the circumstances of parents saying, we don't want our kids to have to work as hard as they did. And all that hard work was well worth it when I was there. That's all I have to say on the matter. Yeah, frankly, but that's what I try to go into theater with. I try to have a little bit of yeah. column A, column B. Like we joke around and have fun, but if I say we need to flip the switch, we flip that switch and we right. buckle down and we get good. Um, but trying to balance that is always fun. The kids yeah. have like there was a little bit of pushback when I flipped the switch initially, but uh, now that like they. The show was quickly approaching. They felt the pressure, and that's always usually right. enough to like kick them into gear. So we've been yeah, it's tough because getting a lot better. At the end of the day, they they are high school students, and right. they are inherently selfish because they are children. I was one once, yeah. I believe it's been a while, but I think I was there at some point. And like at first, it's you are the person stopping them from doing what they want, and so that's why they fight against you. But like you said, as the show gets closer, they start to realize, oh, this is going to reflect on me. If I go out there and don't know my lines or don't mind my blocking or make a stupid thing, I will get made fun of. So I don't want that to happen. Yeah. I had a really good conversation. I had a really good conversation with one of my seniors about, um, like, how... So he's been doing it for four years now, and he's just not getting as much out of theater as he was. Um, and we threw him a role. He's our Lumiere, and he's always played, mm-hmm. like, the straight man, like, kind of a very... He's never had to go too far from his own personality. Um, I, I've, we've always kind of tried to give him little things to kind of ease him away from just being himself on stage but for the most part it's mostly him or more reserved so it's easier to do um but for this we gave him lumiere it's a senior musical Mm -hmm. we didn't really have a lot of other options and i knew that giving it to someone with experience like him we'd be able to get it out of him just it would require a lot of work on his part um, mm-hmm. to get himself there, but I figured he'd be willing to do it. And he's been doing a phenomenal job. He's like, he's one of the best people on the stage right now. And, um, which is really good to see, but I, I guess that he, he just isn't, it's diminishing returns, um, for him, I guess. But he's one of those kids where he's like, but I know if I'm not on the top of my game, it affects the whole show. It affects everybody right. else on the stage. If I'm not 
giving it my best and giving it my all, then everyone else's performances suffer because they don't have as much to work off of and all this other stuff. Um, so it was just a really good conversation with him where I kind of came away from it like, you are going to do just fine outside of this mm-hmm. building. Like, if that's your takeaway, you're going to do just fine. So That's good. Yeah, good stuff. Speaking of impending shows, because it's not impending anymore, but Game of Thrones is back. And I bring this up not because we're going to talk about Game of Thrones, because we aren't. My whole point is you don't watch Game of Thrones anymore, which is the reason we cannot talk about Game of Thrones, which is frustrating for me because, boy, howdy, would I love to talk about Game of Thrones. For the past three seasons, I've done individual episode reviews. I didn't write one for the premiere. I'm not sure I'm going to write individual episode reviews. I'm having a difficult time with the website right now just because of my time, like literally having time to do stuff and energy to do stuff. So it would be nice. Well, because part of it's like, I don't feel as much of an impetus to write things because I get a lot out on this podcast, which I enjoy doing far more than I do writing because it's fun to interact with you. It's just fun to be able to talk through stuff. Yeah. And so I don't always feel like, hey, I don't need to write a review for X because I talked about it for like an hour on the podcast. I would feel similarly about Game of Thrones if I was able to talk about it, but I'm not (laughs) because you don't watch the show. But the reason I bring it up is I'm curious because this is the final season, right? There are six episodes, and at this point, you know, we're recording this on Sunday, so another, it's the second episode is this evening, and after that, there will be four episodes left of the show, period. And then it is done until they do a spinoff, because I'm sure they will. That's or wild, there's only six episodes in the season. Yeah, in the final season. So huh. in seasons one through six, it was ten episodes a season. Season seven, there were seven episodes, and now season eight, there are six. There are a lot of them are supersized. Like I think two of the episodes this season are like close to ninety minutes. Okay, but it's still like I could go into a whole thing. Judging from the pilot or not the pilot, but the the season premiere, I don't think they need even six episodes. <laughs> I don't think they need to have supersized episodes because there's not really any story that's happening. But that's a whole. I would love to dive into that with you right now, but I can't. My question is, what would need to happen? That would make you go back because you stopped watching the show after season three when they killed Rob Stark. What would make you like watch it? What would make you get back into it after everything's all said and done? Is there anything that could happen on the show or like something people could say? Because already like the majority of people are like, this is a top five show all time. And that's not enough to make you give it another chance. No. Is there anything, What? there's nothing that would make you watch Game of Thrones. Because the core part of Game of Thrones is that everyone can die at any time. Like, that's a core part of how that story is told. And it was. Then, and it's then not I'm, anymore. But then I'm like, why bother watching and getting invested in characters that are just going to die? And you, and because like, it's in about the, the journey seasons, and not the destination. The seasons that I watched... People are, they die in like stupid, meaningless ways, and like that's way more frustrating. Like you can kill characters life. off in a show, but you have to, like you should. Well, because this isn't life; it's entertainment, which is like why I wouldn't want to watch this show if it's trying to emulate life. I'm in the mood for entertainment, not emulating life in a fantasy setting. So, like, I'm gonna read books that are written way better than the show ever will be, and they have actual character development and they do meaningful things with them and when they die it is for very good 
critical reasons and they lead to new great better things like i'm gonna go read books about that kind of stuff i'm not gonna watch a show like that just kills people off because it's edgy so i i think that is it's reductive very dismissive but because it's not it's it is as factually inaccurate no characters i mean no main characters on game of thrones die arbitrarily for no reason it always throws a huge character turn for another character or launches another storyline. Like the reason the war between the Starks and the Lannisters started is because they killed Ned. That sets the whole show into motion when he dies. And it like takes Arya down this path of revenge, which has led her to where she is right now. When Rob and Catelyn and Rob's wife get murdered at the Red Wedding, that is what really turns the tables from a viewer's perspective of like this isn't an this isn't a fair world because when ned dies like you can write that off as a one-off thing like joffrey's just such an awful awful character and he's gonna do whatever he wants but like to have to be so heavily betrayed w- with rob stark who's like winning the war he's this heroic leader character and then he gets murdered at the hands of guys that were supposed to be helping him in a place where he was supposed to be safe. Like, that launches the whole thing with John into action. Where, I mean, in going into spoilers from our recent stuff, like, he leaves the Night's Watch to finally go out for revenge for his family and blah, blah, blah. And there's, you know, a bunch of other details that we could get into. But I, I would really fight against the notion that, like, there are arbitrary or meaningless character deaths on the show. Because there absolutely are not. They are surprising, because most shows don't do that. Like, 99% of shows would not kill a character like that. Okay, and I don't like that. But I feel like that's kind of a a lame justification. Why well, just don't like it? Okay, if I don't like it, why would I watch the stupid fucking show? But why don't you like it, though? That's the, that's the problem. Because I like to see my characters that I connect with and support. I like to see them do great things and accomplish things, not get cut off in their prime before they're able to accomplish anything meaningful. I don't know. That's what, like, and and, and also and what you're saying, I guess that that's one way to look at it is what you're saying, how it leads into a, a, someone else's character development. But to me, it's like, Hey, they're killing the character I like so they can force me to pay attention and try and get me to care about another character. So they're like, here's this thing you like. I'm going to squash that. But here's another thing. Well, do, do, do you like this? Is that okay? It's like they're killing one thing and giving you another. It, I don't know. It's, I think it's bad. That's kind of like stories, though. Because the story always ends and leads into something else. Like, that's television. But not, not before the first thing has had a chance to conclude or make a meaningful, momentous event happen. Yeah, and that's just, I mean, we just fundamentally disagree on, like, storytelling from that perspective. Because, to me, like, the resolution to a story is not the most meaningful or interesting part of it. It is, it's the twists and turns throughout the middle of it. Like, I... And there are a lot of reasons, but I don't particularly care how Game of Thrones is going to end. Like, I need to know because I've been following it for so long. But I'm not like, oh boy, what's going to happen at the end? How does it, 
what's the denouement of Game of Thrones? Right. I want to see how are we going to get to that point? What's the shit that's going to happen to get to that point? Because, like, I don't give a shit if every character dies. Like, for honestly, for me, the most interesting way for Game of Thrones to end is for the White Walkers to win. <laughs> for all, every fucking character on the show to die and the White Walkers to win. That's the most interesting way this show could end. And that sounds like you probably wouldn't enjoy that. <laughs> no. Because it's like, why did I just watch all this? Like this pointless Because struggle. it's not about the end. That's my whole point. It's not about the ending. It's about everything that happens that leads up to it. Like, do you read books for the final chapter? That's what doesn't make sense. for Because I feel like you're you're applying this logic only to Game of Thrones and not to everything else. But I have to like the whole package. Like, if a book has a shitty ending, fuck that book. If the book has a shitty journey but a good ending, still fuck that book. You made me waste my time. Oh, see, and that's what I—that's where I have an issue with it. Like, just because something has a bad ending doesn't completely take away all value of it. It doesn't thing. completely, but it greatly reduces. You just it said to if the it, point if, where I don't if I, care if about I enjoy watching the, the show. <laughs> you just said if I enjoy the journey but it has a bad ending, fuck that book. I wasted my time. <laughs> You are saying that it has no value. <laughs> I, I'm not okay. going to watch Game of Thrones, Shay. All right, okay, and that, that I it's I just think it's an interesting. I obviously I disagree, and you that's fine. You're allowed to have whatever opinion you want. I think it's an interesting discussion point, and of course I'm going to call you on it if I don't agree with your perspective. You, it feels you like need you to stop calling logic. me on it because I'm done talking about why I don't want to watch Game of Thrones. Everybody fucking asks me. Everybody's and like, that, why don't and, you watch Game of Thrones? That makes me want to watch it even less. And I totally, 100% understand that. That's not the perspective but I'm that's coming not from. Why. I'm not trying to like... I want yeah. to clarify, no, that's I'm, not why I don't watch it. Is because people yes. ask me why I don't watch it. But it's... When, it when a help. fandom... when Yes, when a fandom of a thing sucks, it makes you want to like the thing less. I 100% agree with that. There's this, like, th- movement... Of people, and I'm not saying that you are part of this at all. There's this movement of people that are like, I've never watched an episode of Game of Thrones. And they wear that like it's like a badge of honor. And first of all, like, who fucking gives a shit? And two, like, how edgy of you. Like, oh, this thing that everyone loves, I'm not even going to give a chance. That's how cool I am. Well, I mean, that's like, that's counterculture. That's just like people being shitty, like, to put a spotlight on themselves. Yeah. So... My point is, I am not saying at all that's what you are like. I totally get why other people view it that way. Of like, what? You don't watch Game of Thrones? What's wrong with you? That's not where I'm coming from. I just think it's interesting because you are a, an, an intelligent person. It's an interesting discussion. <laughs> because it, it boils on. it down. <laughs> no, it boils it down because like this is a larger... You're a larger view that you have on like storytelling and characters and fiction. And that that's what has been confusing to me is it feels like you have picked Game of Thrones out and not applied the same rules. Because I I know you say it, but I don't believe that like you, if you read a book and you loved every moment of the book, but then something dumb happened at the end, that you would totally throw it away. I, I, I wouldn't that totally I throw it true. away, but it would really sour my mood on the book as a whole. I would have a hard mm-hmm. time recommending it to people. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know, and who knows? 
maybe the ending of Game of Thrones will be amazing or maybe it will be complete dog shit. At this point, my expectations are as low as they could be. Like, I still consider Game of Thrones to be one of my favorite shows ever, but the quality of the writing and the storytelling has taken such a nosedive since, like, season six that my expectations are much more tempered than they were before. Like, I've said it before, the show feels like fan fiction now. It's like, how can we concoct these awesome moments that the viewers want to see versus what will our characters do when faced with these circumstances? And that was what was so interesting about those first seasons and why I bought all of the crazy shit that came out of nowhere, like Ned Stark dying. and like Because those, they all felt justified. That really felt like in this circumstance, this character would do that thing. It might be completely irrational. It might not serve a larger television storyline to kill off our main character. But in that circumstance, like that's what would happen. He's a piece of shit that wants to show power, whatever. And I just think that that's really interesting and unique from a television show. Sure. So anyway. I think there's also an element of, like, I read a lot of fantasy, so it's not like Mm -hmm. I'm dying for fantasy. Like, I'm already scratching that itch. Right. I still think that you should give the books a try. Obviously, a lot of the same story beats, big story beats happen, but because it's in text form, there's way more depth to all of those moments and a lot more buildup and justification that, like, those things might not bother you as much. And also, the character perspectives are different. Like, in the books, Rob is a far less important character. Like, there's not as much focus on him. Which, I know he was your favorite character on the show, so that might even be more of a turnoff to say, oh, a character I really liked isn't as important. But my point is, they give more attention to other characters that might make you like those other characters more, if that makes sense. Like, Catelyn Stark gets a lot more attention in the books. So she's she's just a lot more... She's a lot better of a character in the books than she is in the show. She's kind of a nagging mom in the show so yeah. all right i'm not trying to get down your case about game of thrones i just think it's interesting that's all that's where i'm coming from but game of thrones is back i've been watching it yeah my wife so is someone watching write, it. write write in an email and i'll talk to you about game of thrones because i can't talk to kyle about it <laughs> so what else have you been doing um so i like the same things as last episode Played a little bit more Minecraft, a little bit more Stardew Co-op, a little bit more Elder Scrolls Blades. I figured out Elder Scrolls Blades, it does have a control setting for, like, the on-screen analog sticks. But I have to be playing it in landscape. Like, I have to have the tablet sideways in order for it to work, which is why I couldn't figure it out. It won't work if it's, like, straight up and down. Wouldn't that be the ideal way to play it anyway, in landscape? I mean, I haven't played Blades, but... I don't know. I for some reason I was holding my iPad like normal, like straight up and down huh. when I was playing it, and then I turned it to the side and I tried to play it, and the analog stick showed up, and I was like, "Oh, what the hell?" Okay. So well, that it's makes been more better. sense because they get you have a little bit more room, yeah, on the screen that way. But the problem that's with, interesting. Uh, and the weird other weird thing is because if you're playing it in like vertical mode, like I was selecting like, "Hey, move the shield icon to the left," because like right now it's in the middle of the screen and it's hard to reach. Like, you can't adjust any of those settings in vertical mode. Only those settings are applied... Those settings are only applied in landscape mode. It's just mm. really strange. I don't know. It's funky. But it's it's fine. I, I'm opening a chest right now. I have 18 minutes left on a chest. Yeehaw. So in 18 minutes, you're gonna hear me either 
go yay or boo on what I get <laughs> from the chest. Interrupt whatever we're talking about because we need to know what's in the chest and if it's good. Sure. Um, I Also, <laughs> I got Superland, which is like a first-person, three-dimensional Metroidvania-like with really kitty, uh, like Gumby graphics almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I is think I'm PC? done. I played it for about three hours. I think I'm done playing it because it's gotten to the point where it's it's a puzzle game. Like you're unlocking new yeah. abilities and then using those abilities to traverse the areas and solve puzzles in new ways. Um, and it's just basically like a, a big open world where there's like no map that I've discovered, so it's hard to remember where all these things are. Um, and that's my main issue with Metroidvania games is remembering where to go when I unlock right. a new ability. Um, and it's also not clear because some abilities can be used in many different ways. And it's always not, it's not always clear about how many different ways you can use an ability. Like it doesn't really tutorialize a lot of those things very well. It kind of gives you the basics, but then there's always, like, with an ability, there's always, like, a crazy thing that you can do that it doesn't tell you you can do, but it's kind of necessary to get places. And you kind of have to discover that on your own by playing around with them. It's just, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Like, I unlocked hmm. a triple jump. I unlocked the ability to, like, spawn these cubes. I have all these combat skills, and I, and I now have, like, a laser gun. I have a gun that can absorb balls of light, and I have, like, a... <laughs> Um, there's like painting, the, the whole painting thing where you got you can bring items and put them in this like pipe, and then put an item in the pipe. Then the pipe will turn a different color, and then it turns the item a different color. And you can like paint oh stuff boy. different colors. Like there's key cards. There's like blank white key cards that you got to bring to a pipe and like put a red flower in it, and it'll spit red paint onto the key card. So you have a red key card, or you do green or yellow, whatever color you need. And it's just like a lot of weird, weird yeah. stuff. Um, and the game tries for a sense of humor. It doesn't really resonate with me, but some people might find it funny. It's just very, like, culture referential um, mm -hmm. in a way that's and maybe not playing, that great. Are you playing this on PC? Yeah. I think it's Is only on PC. Is it a new game? Uh, like, did it come out this year? Yeah, or? it recently came where, out. Where did you find out about it? Giant Bomb did a quick look. Okay, I figured. It's just really strange. I don't know. I'm not usually into Metroidvanias, um, but this one was like, dude, Harry, he's squeaking <laughs> his toy. Could you not? <laughs> I could see him on the camera just staring at you. <sighs> what a goober. He's all right. Um, he's just our little uh, sound effects. Yeah. Um, control your background. Dude, quit squeaking. <laughs> Harry. Come here, I'll pet you so you stop. Um, but yeah, I don't. Know. I'm not usually into Metroidvanias, but I don't know. I decided to pick this one up because it seemed different enough. Like it had a sense of humor and it was 3D first person. I I don't know. I'm probably done with it. Played for three hours. Is there combat? Yeah, it's not good though. It doesn't okay. feel good. Because it felt more like just like a puzzle game than a Metroidvania game. But if you are fighting stuff, I guess that makes a little more sense. Yeah. There, there is combat. I would say it's probably not that great. I did just get an ability that Supra. lets me levitate off of metal objects. So if there's like a pipe uh -huh. running up a building, I can hold a button and I levitate up alongside the pipe and I can go all sorts of new places now. It's like oh super boy. crazy. And I'm like, I don't yeah. want to... This is another thing that I got to go back through all these areas and check <laughs> stuff out. I don't want to. I don't want to. Right. Yeah. Eh. 
I definitely get like, like that with the Metroidvania games. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, if it's good enough, like when I played Guacamelee 2 this last year, that I wanted to go back and explore just because I enjoyed the moment-to-moment combat. But if you're not getting that much out of the actual moment-to-moment stuff, why would you want to backtrack? Right. It's that's it's a pretty hard sell on a game like like you really need to nail the moment-to-moment stuff in order for people to enjoy. Right. That back and forth. Like it just feels like a lot of Supra Land. Yeah, Supra Land. It's just it's, it's a lot a of like game. going back. I mean, you're getting like new upgrades that are always weird and kind of wacky and interesting, I guess. But those upgrades only serve to like go get more upgrades, if that makes sense. Right. Um. I don't know. My current quest there is to go get the MacGuffin, which okay. is kind of a funny thing. It's like, hey, oh, it's actually called the MacGuffin. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, they're like, oh, I, I heard if you get the MacGuffin, it moves the plot forward. Like, that's pretty <laughs> that's funny. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's that a good, good bit. <laughs> There's some good stuff. <laughs> Well, cool. I don't know what what have you so, been playing? Yeah, I mean it a lot more Pokemon Let's Go still. Uh I am I have all eight badges now. My guys are like level sixty two ish. Uh and so I have Elite Four yet to go. Originally, like for a while, the combat was relatively challenging. I talked about this last episode just of like the AI is smart enough to use moves that your guys are weak against. But now I'm so high level and I have all the most, like, my Charizard has Fly and Flamethrower, thrower, flame thrower <laughs> and Fire Blast. You and I cannot talk this episode. I'm know, getting dude. words out of order. Whatever. Um, and, like, my uh, Hypno has Psychic and Hypnosis and Dream Eater. I have Surf. Like, I have all the most powerful moves. And so I can still kill. Mo- kill. I can still beat most pokemon <laughs> in like a single them. shot of something yeah so the challenge has gone away a little bit and i don't think i'm like too high level or anything i it's just because i have all the most powerful moves so that's a little bit like eh um i do have a correction from last episode aaron our good buddy aaron wrote in on facebook to inform me that the um whatever great excellent catch ratings do have an impact on your ability to catch oh pokemon okay which i verified i looked it up and i verified it so thank you Anne, for calling that out nice um i will say it still sucks ass <laughs> and it doesn't do enough okay because even like even if i'm catching i am using an ultra ball it's orange, which is like the best thing that you can get for a lot of these later level Pokemon. You can't get yellow, you can't get green. So it's orange. I get an excellent throw on my first throw, and it still pops out after one bobble. That that's my point. Regardless of what all the little systems are that affect the catch percentage, it's too low. That's the core problem. So I don't give a shit if it's red or if it's orange or if it's excellent or great. Or if it's the gray circle, or if it's moving or standing still, use berries, what kind of balls. I don't give a shit. Just let me catch them. <laughs> I gotta catch them all. <laughs> and now I have to blame you, Aaron, for this. <laughs> no, but I appreciate the correction. I, I was factually inaccurate. I don't want to misrepresent. But my core complaint remains. And in fact, it's even worse now. Because <laughs> that just proves that even doing the best thing you could possibly do doesn't matter. Okay, 
So now I just got to fight the Elite Four. And now I'm like, I have a little bit of anxiety of what am I going to do after I beat the Elite Four? Because I'm not going to continue playing. But this is like, this has been my go-to game when I'm watching Penny. Or like we're sitting in front of the TV or I'm just trying to kill an hour or whatever. And I don't, ha- I won't have like a go-to game anymore. So I need to figure something out. Maybe I can hey, play some more Mario Kart or Final something. Final Fantasy X and Ten Two HD just came out on Switch. Yeah, I just replayed those not that long ago All right. on um, the PS4, like a, a couple years ago when it came out. Final Fantasy X is one of my all-time favorite games. Yeah. But like, and again, that's not really a game I want to sit down and play for 20 minutes. True. So, but yes, I did see that they came out on Switch and I was like, hmm. There's another game, uh, Ape Out, which is out on Switch, which is like a hotline Miami, but you play as a gorilla and it looks really dope. Okay. And I want to check that out. Um, but it's not like a mindless game. And that's what Pokemon is. It's mindless. Because you have to turn off your brain. Because if you don't, you'll throw your Switch at the wall when you fail to catch your level 13 Drowsy for the eighth time with an Ultra Ball and an excellent throw. So, <laughs> in addition to Pokemon, let's go. God, I can't deal with it. Um, so, there's been some stuff going on personally that has made me like kind of depressed and not like in a really aggressive way and to clarify it's nothing with my daughter she's amazing but just just been some stuff that like kills my energy and kind of saps my happiness so i wanted something that i could just sit down and kind of zone out on so i booted up fallout 4 again on ps4 and i had like a ton of mods loaded from last time i was playing and i originally quit my like modded playthrough because I glitched out in the Brotherhood quest line when you're like talking to Paladin Dance and they, you get the little side quests and then you like you go to a place and when you come out that's where you see the, all the Brotherhood blimps and stuff. Right. It's like that one of the coolest moments from Fallout 4. I couldn't talk to Paladin Dance like he wouldn't acknowledge that I was there. And so I was like, well, shit, I don't know what to do now. And I kind of just fell off of the game because of that. So I went back in and I uninstalled a couple world mods so like there's like extra exploration and stuff that adds additional houses and stuff you can go into and i uninstalled some settlement mods just to see like hey if i uninstall some of these mods that have a heavy impact on the load order will it fix anything so i went back and tried to talk to him and i was able to talk to him but he goes hey i'm too busy right now so i don't know if that's gonna fix the problem so i went and i did two side quests from the little helpers, but I have not gone back um, to return them yet. Okay. So hopefully he'll talk to me now and that will fix that problem. Cause I just wanted something like, I just want a game that when I want to sit down for an hour and I don't want to play Pokemon, let's go. I want something else to play on my television and fallout four could very easily scratch that itch. But if I'm always worried about quest lines and stuff bugging out and like the brotherhood quest line, that's one of the biggest quest lines in the game. And if I can't play that whole quest line, it kind of sucks. So we'll see. Hopefully that, that fixes the problem. But yeah. I, I still have like a, an evergreen mod that kind of updates the visuals and adds like a bunch of greenery just to make it a prettier experience. Um, and then I have a couple of settlement mods that like additional furniture options. And I have a multiple followers mod, which is cool because I'm rocking with dog meat and with Curie, the robo version at the moment. And I have a bunch of, like, weapon mods and some uh, armor mods. That, that sort of kind of, like, frivolous stuff because you can't do that much on PS4. But it would be really fun to play just as a, a new experience on Fallout 4 because I love that game. But if I can't play some of the quest lines, it ruins it. Right. 
Um, so you talked last episode about Umbrella Academy. Yeah. So I wanted to check it out. I made it through an episode and a half and stopped. Okay. I understand from listening to you talk about it that it gets better as it goes. Like, it makes not an awesome first impression with some of the characters, but it gets better. And I just kind of decided I'm not... I don't have the patience. The Klaus character is one of the most annoying characters in recent television history that I can think of. I hate him so, so much. The actor is unbelievably annoying. uh, And... None of the other characters were interesting whatsoever. Like, they were all felt very flat. And there's, like, these backstories. And it's, oh, it's the end of the world. There's time travel. And I'm just finding a lot of that to be very cliched. Uh, and there, there's a bunch of mysteries that they're trying to build about the dad and the time travel dude and the end of the world. And there are these people hunting him. And I just didn't really care about any of that. So, I'm kind of like, I gave it a shot. I will accept that it res- or gets cooler as it goes. But even after listening to the last episode, you had mentioned that the actual resolution is pretty pretty stupid. Right. So that makes me like... Like you said, it's it's harder to recommend when the ending is bad. Yeah. That makes me less interested in seeing the rest of it, knowing how that, that might go. And then the rest of the stuff that I've been watching is just same shit. Uh, we, I'm caught up again on It's Always Sunny. I'm kind of annoyed... Because season 13 aired last year, but they don't have it on Hulu yet, so I haven't been able to watch that. Um, watched we, we watched up through season 3 of Arrested Development. Originally, when they put out season 4 on Netflix, we watched probably two-thirds of it and didn't really like the formatting. Because it was all like told out of sequence, and each right. episode was like from a particular... And we just didn't like that. So... Because we're watching these shows as we're feeding Penny and sometimes in the middle of the night and just to kill time, I don't want to watch something that I haven't seen before. So that I stopped Arrested Development and I might go back and watch seasons four and now five at some point, but not for right now. Instead, we've been watching a lot of The League and we're already almost done with The League. <laughs> so we got to figure out what we're going to watch after that. Still watching Sons of Anarchy. We're like midway through season three when they go to Belfast. It's one of the worst seasons because it's very slow. But just the way that that season resolves is pretty epic. And Kelly, she, like, doesn't remember a lot of the stuff. Because we watched the whole way through. She watched it for the first time the whole way through two years ago, maybe. And okay. she loved it. But she doesn't remember a lot of the beats. And so she's, like, getting surprised again. So that's fun. Because I have that whole show memorized. I've seen it so many times. And then we ended up finishing The Staircase, which was that documentary, murder documentary we were talking about last episode. Right. We had one episode left, so we kind of saw the resolution, and it was a huge bummer of just like, this guy just has to live with this for the rest of his life, and he's out of prison, but his life is ruined. Hooray, justice system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then watching some Kitchen Nightmares. I've been trying to get drunk a little bit, like on weekends. Because that used to be kind of our thing. Kelly and I, we'd get drunk on Friday or Saturday night. And then when she got pregnant, she couldn't do that. I still got drunk occasionally. And now that we have Penny, and she's old enough that she can go longer without feeding. And Kelly's producing enough where she can have a couple glasses of wine and then just toss that milk when she pumps. She doesn't have to. Because that way we're not getting our baby drunk. Right. But uh, we were drinking a little bit last night and watching some Kitchen Nightmares. So that was a good time. And that's kind of it. Nothing like super spectacular and new. I'd love to talk about that Game of Thrones premiere. But... <laughs> I guess you'll just have to write about it. <laughs> or just start a new podcast. <laughs> or replace you. 
it is the Shea Hates Everything podcast after all. You are very replaceable in this format. It's true. So <laughs> what about you? What have you been watching? Um, uh, the wife and I watched Mercy Black, which is a really bad horror movie. It was so bad. Where did this come from? I don't know. I came home and I don't remember if she was had already started it and I just sat down and watched it with her. Mm-hmm. Or if I was just like, hey, you need to pick something for us to watch. So she picked it. I can't remember. And is this a Netflix movie? Uh, or is it just on Netflix? It's on Netflix. I don't know if it's yeah. a Netflix original or not. I don't think it is. But it was very bad. Um, what's, the, what's the conceit? There, uh, oh. So there were like... There was a group of girls when they were younger. And they like made this cult thing around this entity called mercy black um and they were like worshiping it and like they stabbed one of their friends to death kind of like the slender man thing how the girls mm-hmm. stabbed like in real life how the girls stabbed their friend to sacrifice slender man it's like a movie version of that but mercy black is like this weird scarecrow looking thing mm. um and so you have to like mercy black requires a blood sacrifice and all this kind of stuff so the girls did that and then the one girl just it follows her and she just got out of like a mental rehabilitation clinic after like 12 years or something um and so it's kind of following her and how she thought she'd put it behind her but mercy black is still kicking around and Mm. messing stuff up i'll bet that cantankerous Mercy Black is <laughs> causing all sorts of problems. <laughs> um, it was so bad. The acting yeah. was just like garbage tier. Well, it's like teenagers, right? No. Oh. Because she like she was like 11 or 12 when she did it. And it's been like 12 years. So we're okay. talking like mid-20s or, gotcha. or like mid to late 20s people mm-hmm. and uh, some early 30s people and they're all really bad <laughs> well i was gonna give it a bit of a pass for having child actors but not so much no um so that was terrible uh and then the wife and i watched all of sabrina season two yeah the like what it, what's the name of the show? Or it, it was it's uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Chilling Adventures. It, this was yeah. actually it was technically s- season one, part two. I okay. think. Um, it's pretty good. There's some stupid stuff that happens, but most of it's pretty good. Hmm. The f- you you felt similarly about the first season, if I recall. Yeah, some so stupid stuff. It's kind of dumb, but it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah. this one is less fun, and it is a little more serious. Okay. But uh there's cool stuff that happens, cool witchcraft stuff that happens. Um and then <laughs> this last one. Uh so I like Bear Grylls. Who doesn't? He's a cool guy. Yeah. Got a great accent. Uh Man vs Wild is a great show. He's like Jason Statham, but actually cool. Yeah. Um, recently, on Netflix, they released a show called You vs. Wild. Right. Where it's Bear Grylls, and he's 
put into survival situations, and you get to pick for him what he does. Mm-hmm. And his success of whatever mission he's on, if it's like rescuing a doctor who has a like an important medical package for a village whom you never see uh, in the episode, she just is fake. Um, okay. And, uh, like, whether you're there to rescue her or there's a dog that is, uh, that was abandoned in, like, a snowy wasteland. Gotta go rescue this dog because it's a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to pick. You get to pick if he rescues the doctor or the dog? Kind of. <laughs> because, well, no, you get to, so that, they're separate episodes. Yeah, I know. It, I'm, I was just making a joke because everyone yeah. would choose to rescue the doc. <laughs> well, of course. Um, like the, mm, hmm. So it's like the Bandersnatch thing where you make choices. Yeah. It's that, but it's like man versus wild. And most of the choices so the like the first episode you can kind of make whatever choice and it's fine but from then on like if you make the wrong choice like the medicine floats down the river or mm. like bear gets sick from eating a bad thing so he needs to call in like the rescue chopper to come get him and the mission's aborted and you have to restart from the last choice stuff like that um so it's like why give me the choice like, the first episode made sense. It was like, do I go down this path or this path? And they're very different obstacles that you encounter down both the paths. But then it just becomes like, hey, there's a right or wrong answer. Yeah. And you're going to have to just... It's just going to roll you back to that choice and make well, you choose Well, I mean, again. Maybe, the goal, maybe the goal is like twofold. One, just to show all the crazy shit that might happen if you make the wrong choice. And two, to like teach you and you're like you're learning... What should you do in a certain circumstance? I guess. It's just so, like, surface-level stuff. Yeah. Like, like he... Uh, so there was a choice between eating gorse, or which is a plant, or, um, like, buds off the plant, or grabbing some eggs from a bird nest. Okay. And so my wife chose the eggs. But he didn't take them to, like, cook them on a rock. He just popped the whole thing in his mouth and ate it, shell and all. <laughs> and then, yeah, no shit, he got sick. <laughs> right. It's stuff like that. Yeah, that seems a little dumb. That's it's disappointing. Like, it, it seemed like a dumb idea, but, like, a fun dumb idea that I wanted to check out. And I still will. There were some fun that's, moments. That's, that's kind of a bummer that it's not... All that interesting. Yeah. There's some fun moments where it's like, hey, should I eat five million of these termites or should I eat this giant, juicy, plump grub? Right. Of course we're going to make him eat the grub. And then you watch him do it. Oh, yeah. And he bites into it and it's just like all down his chin. Oh, so bad. It's bad stuff. Disgusting. Yep. And then there's also like, hey, it's really hot here. Uh, Something you can do is take a rag pee on it and wrap it around your face so that when the breeze hits it it cools your face off logical yeah also smells like fucking pee bear <laughs> cool pee yeah nice <laughs> chilly pee, pee. <laughs> mm, chilly pee. <laughs> yeah so you versus wild it's a dumb thing <laughs> 
I feel like we use that description for a lot of stuff on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dumb thing. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're not wrong. <laughs> right. That's fair. <laughs> it tells you most of what you need to know. What do you say we jump into some news? Yeah, let's do it. There were actually oh wait like wait some big wait. things. Yeah, wait. hit me. Oh, you got your uh, open your chest. Has it been sixteen minutes? Oh, it has. I got a perfect timing. Got to turn off the silent mode so we can get this hot music. All right. We this is the this is the sound of it opening. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, I got a chest. A remarkable silver shield of embers. That is remarkable. All right. Okay, that's enough. I got. Was yeah. that it? I got. Well, there's there a thing? bunch of other like mats for building stuff. Okay. So was that was that a good item? Um, it's probably not better than my current shield, but I can sell it for money well, or break it down for materials to improve my current shield. Woohoo. I'm going to unlock a gold chest now. That'll be... Oh, okay, good. It asked me first. I accidentally hit the open now, and it was going to take like half of my gems. But uh, I'm going to open a gold chest now. So uh, we're going to take a five-hour and 59-minute break, <laughs> and we'll be right back <laughs> when I open this chest. No, let's, let's talk about some news. <laughs> Maybe next week it'll be open, or next yeah. podcast. <laughs> All right, so we have new announcements for Xbox and for PlayStation. So first on the Xbox side, we had talked either last episode or episode before about the rumor of an, a digital-only Xbox One. Well, it's legit. It's the digital, all-digital Xbox One S. Yep. It's 250 bucks. That's the craziest thing $50 less. It's only $50 yes. less. That is dumb. That is very dumb. That's how much they think that's worth to people. Yeah. And maybe maybe it doesn't save them that much money to take out the disk drive, which is why they couldn't lower the price that much more. But it seems that seems stupid, especially on the heels that we're probably going to get an announcement for the next Xbox at E3, and it's probably going to come out next fall. You're going to charge $250 for, like, the lowest tier of your current console when you don't... I mean, and if it's for people with their first console that's, like, a lower cost entry, fine. But for people that already own a PlayStation or something, why would you buy this? Right. Like For $50 more, you can use discs. Yes. Because I thought about it, like, hey, I would like to get an Xbox One just to have it. Because there's a a handful of games that I would want to play. But I'm not paying $250 for that, plus all the games and shit. Like, that's just not worth it. The bundle does come with Forza Horizon 3, Minecraft, and Sea of Thieves. But here's the thing. Yep. I believe two of those games are already available through Game Pass, so you get them anyways. And Game Pass is the thing you would have with this console. Yes. That's what I was going to say as well. Yeah, the included games are already in Game Pass, which is the whole point of this console. Yep. Scam. I mean, I guess mi- Minecraft is good. People like Minecraft. People will play it. But Minecraft, Minecraft is only is like good. a $25, $20 game or something. Right. So. Yeah. And I guess in a similar or in a related story, they are combining Xbox Live 
gold and game pass into one subscription which isn't mandatory but you can do it this way and it saves you money yeah it's called xbox game pass ultimate it's 15 dollars a month so you get access to all the game pass stuff it's like over 100 games and the xbox live gold the online multiplayer for 15 dollars a month which is pretty decent right yeah like that's much, like what netflix is that? i think right 180 bucks 180 bucks a year what wait is that that's not right no 60 90 90 bucks a year yeah no Yes. No, 180. Oh, you're right. 10 times 120 and then 5 times... 10, yeah. 10 times 15 is 150. And then another 2 times 15 is 30. 180. Huh? No. <laughs> I don't, we we t- did the same math, but with different numbers. <laughs> we're, we're explaining it wrong. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yes, it's $180. <laughs> Which, like, is reasonable, I suppose, for the value that you get through... Well, right, like, that's Netflix it's three brand new video games. Right. And you get access to way more than that for right. Game Pass. So, if you own an Xbox, like, the, and you play a decent amount of games, you should get Game Pass. Yeah, like, there's there are going to be at least three games that you're willing to play in a year. But if you if you combine those two things, the all digital Xbox One S and the game Game Pass Unlimited or Ultimate or whatever, what is that? Two fifty, three fifty, four thirty, four hundred. So four hundred and thirty dollars for your Xbox One and a year of Game Pass. That starts to feel like not as good of a deal <laughs> to get a digital only console, and that's the only access you're really going to have to. I mean, you can still buy download games, obviously, but I didn't see in the story on Game Informer did they did they give specs for the all digital? Like, is it a terabyte hard drive or is it 500 gig? Oh, I don't know. I think it's a terabyte, which would be helpful. Yeah, a terabyte but, would would be because it, it would be necessary only like. Yeah, 500 gigs right. is not wouldn't nearly be enough, especially with the Game Pass stuff. I, I imagine it's a terabyte, but um, yeah. So I don't know. It's not quite that like low cost entry on an Xbox, but yeah, I could theoretically see how someone might find value in that. <laughs> There's I, yeah, not I enough guess. value there for me, but for somebody. And then on the PlayStation side. We kind of got an announcement for the next PlayStation console. It was an interview with Mark Cerny, who's the systems architect, who basically talked about like the specs of it. So it's got a, the solid state hard drive that it has can support ray tracing, which has never been done on consoles before. It's like ray tracing is like the new graphical hotness. Um, yeah, and w- which really like, I guess it's beneficial for making games it helps streamline the creation process because you don't have to bake lighting for every single like environment um but the like developers have found ways to simulate realistic lighting in games it's like they already like i get i don't get why ray tracing really matters that much other mm-hmm. than the creation process, I guess, is it's, it takes a little less time. And depending on the engine that you're working in, you don't have to then render and bake lighting for like 48 hours. Um, well, and I will say, and this is coming from a non-game developer, but what I have read in reaction to this, the lighting stuff is one of the things that really contributes to long load times. And so they also showed uh, a use case of Spider-Man running on a PS4 Pro versus on this PS5 dev kit. And to load into the world 
in PS4 Pro for Spider-Man, it was like 15 seconds. And on this dev kit, it was 0.8 seconds. So that's, that's not different. just the lighting stuff. It's everything. It's That's part of the solid state hard drive that yeah. they have in there. But all of that adds up to just a much more powerful console. I can't really speak to the graphical fidelity side. Like it's, it, they say it's going to support 8K, which no one has. So who cares? Right. But like that that side of it, <clears throat> I can't really speak to. But at the end of the day, it's just a faster running, more powerful console. The same way every console launches. Right. I don't know how. I don't know if it's as big of a leap as we had between three and four, which wasn't at that big of a leap. The launch, the leap between PS2 and PS3 was a huge technical leap. So I don't yeah. know where it fits on that spectrum, but. Getting down on load times is a very positive benefit. One of the other things that's um, positive for this is that the existing PSVR stuff will all still work with a new console. They didn't really talk about what their plans for PSVR is, other than they're going to continue to support it, which of course they would say that even if they weren't. Right. And that the console will be backwards compatible with PS4. So for folks that are worried about getting left in the dust or whatever, don't need to worry about that so much. I guess in the interview, I didn't read the full thing, but I guess he made some kind of comment about Death Stranding potentially being a bridge game and coming out like Twilight Princess did for GameCube and Wii. Or, wait, Wii and Wii U, rather. Breath of the Wild, I mean. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. What am I... T- what, what Zelda game was that? It wasn't Breath of the Wild. Yes, it was. Twilight it was Wii U Princess. and Switch. Was it Twilight well, Princess? Well, Twilight Princess was, also- was um, GameCube and Wii Okay. Back in the sure, day. whatever. But yeah, Breath of the Wild was Wii U and Switch. Yes. So, so similar instances. But point being, the it, he might have accidentally teased that Death Stranding would come out on PS4 and PS5, which might give an indication of when that game's coming out-ish, and when the console's coming out-ish. It could be next fall, whatever. But it also begs and it brings into question, like, the other games that Sony has announced, what are those going to hit on? Because if we are going to assume that this console is coming out next fall... And that Sony is an ID3. They, as of now, have not announced any Sony-specific events. Uh, like, during E3, around E3, or at the end of the year, even. Like, the PSX, whatever. So, the story that they are telling is we don't really have a ton to announce right now. Could that mean that, like, we're not... You know, Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, Last of Us Part Two. Those are the big announced PlayStation games... Could those all be PS5 or PS4, PS5-ish games? My guess is those would all because there those are too those games are too big for them to release solely on a new console. I bet those are all bridging games. Why are they too big to only release on a new console? That's what you need. You need big games to get people to invest. But in if a new you console. just released a like they just released the PS4 Pro. Like they're not a couple years people ago. People aren't gonna, people aren't gonna buy a new, slightly more powerful system. Like it depends and on it's how gonna much be, more. it's gonna be cost prohibitive too. Like they said, it's gonna be like what? What do they say? I think Mark Cerny said something about the pricing being in line with like consumer trends or something or whatever. But I, yeah. I I'm assuming five six hundred dollars. Oh no! See, I got the opposite vibe. The the what I read from that was that it would be affordable. 
that it wasn't going to be an insanely priced $600 console the way that PS3 was, that it would be more like when the PS4 came out and it was $400. That's what I got from that, from his statement. I look at these specs, I don't see how it comes in anywhere underneath 5 I mean, obviously, we'll find out at some point. If it is crazy expensive, I definitely see your point, but if it is more 400 to 450-ish, you need big games for people to buy it. Yeah, but... Especially if it's not that big of a technical leap. But in order to sell enough copies of those games to make your money back, you also need to release them on the current gen. Well, it's all... I mean, it's all a cost-benefit analysis. Because at the end of the day, yeah. will you sell fewer copies if you only, if, if you release Ghost of Tsushima as a PS5 exclusive? Will you sell fewer copies than if you launch it on PS4? Obviously. But will that cause more people to buy a PS5 than would have and therefore lead to more sales of other games that launch on PS5? Also, absolutely. Yeah. So there's a bar chart somewhere with people a lot smarter than you or I that are crunching those numbers. I'm just... My only point is, given what we have seen from Sony, which is not much, and that we don't have release dates for any of the games that they have announced... Is it feasible that all of these games are coming out on PS5? Because think about it this way. If they announced PS5 with exclusive titles, Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima, The Last of Us Part 2, Horizon Zero Dawn Part 2, all coming out within the first year, and say, the next year, you're getting a sequel to God of War and to Spider-Man. Who wouldn't buy it? Yeah, and I guess it's backwards compatible with all your PS4 stuff. Totally. Yeah. I I 100% think some people would feel a bit burned just because that would mean like two years kind of of PlayStation not releasing anything huge. Like, hey, Days Gone is coming out. That's kind of the the biggest game that they have in 2019, right? I think we've had that conversation. But like, I mean, because Dreams, like little stuff like that. But there would be a little bit of like a annoyance that they announced these big games over a year ago and they're not even coming to the console that I own and especially for a lot of people like me who went out and bought a PS4 Pro after it came out I mean I bought it like a year after it came out because I wanted to play the next stuff on my PS4 Pro and then I'm not really going to be able to do that because all the games are going to come out on PS5 well I'd be a little annoyed sure but at the end of the day because I traded in my stock PS4 I paid $150 for a PS4 Pro like it's not like I don't feel like I lost out on that deal because everything I've played on it, including Spider-Man, was insanely better than it would have been on my standard PS4. So there's like a huge back and forth there that they are having those conversations. I'm only saying like, is it feasible that none of the games we have seen announced will even come to PS4? And I think it is definitely feasible. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like they can't do that. Because they will take a massive PR hit. And that was the that was the only thing that kept them ahead. Well, not the only thing, but that was a big thing that kept them ahead of Xbox this, this generation. Was that Xbox had a huge PR hit with the whole used games debacle. And Sony has had a lot of smaller PR hits in the past two, three years. Right. I don't think the, they could like- take something like that without feeling it pretty hard. Yeah, I I think that you can... Like, Sony is a two-headed monster. 
Like they have that hubris, right? Like yeah. they have the whole, oh, it's five ninety nine PS three. They have that side of the cockiness, but they also have the like, here's how you play, or here's how you share games with other people on PS four, and they just hand over the copy of it. Like they have that both, and coming out a hundred dollars cheaper than Xbox One. Like they have both sides. So it's like, which one do you believe is the predominant side of Sony? Because even historically, at the end of the life cycle on PS2, at the end of the life cycle on PS3, like, at the end of days on PS2, they released God of War 3. At the end of days on PS3, they released The Last of Us. They have put out huge games in that last year of their consoles and have continued to support both those consoles several years after the new one has launched. Right. Obviously, with this backwards compatibility, that makes it that much easier, but, like... You could, I, I could 100% see it happening both ways, and that's kind of like, that's par- partially what makes it so complicated. Do I want The Last of Us Part Two to come out in March next year? Totally. But can I see them waiting until March of 2020 and having it come out in the launch window of the PS5? I can totally see that too. So, I don't know. At the end of the day, I want the games to be the best they can be. But I don't want to wait too long for them. It's kind of like that that balance. Yeah. So if the game is going to be fundamentally better by taking longer and being on a new hardware, that's fine. I'm willing to wait. I'm going to buy, and so are you, going to buy a PS5 when it comes out. Yeah, well, because I never bought a PS4 Pro. I just have my launch PS4. So, And that's why I didn't buy a Pro, because I was waiting for the announcement for the 5. Right. And I guess I should clarify, it depends on the pricing and the actual specifications of the PS5, whether I will buy it day one. Because if it is, if I can play stuff, if I'm not missing out on any new games for the first year, and it's not a huge upgrade for me, but it costs me an extra $300 to upgrade with trading in my PS4 Pro, then yeah, I probably will not do that. But if there are exclusive games on PS5, the console's $400. Yeah, I'll buy it. So there's still a lot we need to learn. Um, but with them already talking about this, I would imagine we're going to get a, an official unveiling at some point. Probably after E3. Which is also lead me, leads me to believe that Xbox, they're going to announce their next console at E3 to get out ahead of PlayStation. Right. Because they announced the all-digital Xbox One. They announced the um, combining of their two live services in the wake of these ps5 details to try to get some of that pr back so this is their opportunity to get out and announce it officially before sony is yeah with that with sony not being at e3 i think it'd be a huge missed opportunity if they didn't do that well it, i don't because how many years has it been well because they did they release the scorpio before the pro um the Xbox One X came out after the Pro. Okay, so it's it's been less time since that than the Pro even. So I wonder Correct. if they do have... I wonder if they do announce that or if they just focus on their impressive slate of games that, hey, all coming to Game Pass. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder what the play is. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they would, if that's what it is, they need to find an additional reason to upsell someone on an Xbox One X. Because similar to their, like, super expensive controllers, they've always pitched the Xbox One X as the premium, hardcore version. Right. It's not the thing that is for everyone. 
So if they're going to continue with just the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X for the next two years, they need something to upsell on people. Unless they're just giving up on that and just really trying to push Game Pass, which is possible. They're really pushing third-party partnerships, getting their games on Switch, more games on PC, cross-buy, whatever. That could be their strategy. Maybe from a console perspective, they care a lot less. Well, yeah, and they're well, happy with the power of the Xbox One X for people that want that premium experience. Right. Well, and also, like, when if you announce a digital-only, a lower-price console, you're trying to appeal to a larger market. You're trying to get a larger user base. And mm-hmm. the other angle you attack that from is title lineup. Like, because mm-hmm. the whole thing about the digital Xbox is Game Pass, and you need the games on Game Pass that people are going to want to play where they see it, because people are going to do their own cost-benefit analysis for their own finances and their own situations, so you need to have a wide slew of games available on it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe this year for Xbox is just titles. I don't know. Could be. Could be. I still feel like the, it's it would be a miss, and and if it's not their strategy, it's not their strategy. But if it is their strategy, I think it'd be a missed opportunity to not announce that console at E3, right? Because they are one of the only games in town this year. Yeah. So like Nintendo's already pulled back. Sony's having not like, Sony's not having a presence at all. EA is basically not having a presence. Like this is they are one of the few games in town now. Especially looking at Ubisoft and Square Enix and Bethesda from past years. And anticipating their lineups, like I, I am, I am measuring myself for a very underwhelming E3 this year because we're at the tail end of the life cycle. So if they could get out and announce their new console, like that would be the predominant story by far, and that's what you want from uh, from something like E3. So interesting times to be sure. A lot of different directions they can take it. We certainly have opinions. I'm not going to say that my idea is the correct one <laughs> because they're smarter and make way more money than me for a reason. But that's where I'm coming from. Sticking with PlayStation, you can now change your PSN name. Hooray! But it's a mess. Yep. <laughs> so this is something people have been asking for for a really long time. I, in a perfect world, would want to change mine. I go by Mighty Manotor most places, but my PSN is DW underscore Drummer 22, which is a bit long and whatever. So I would want to change this theoretically, but given the response to this already, which is that Sony has been very clear, this can fuck some of your shit up. Like, you might lose game saves or access to content that you bought, like DLC, or some in-game aspects might not work, stat tracking might not work, trophies might not work. Good luck. Yeah, I'm like, okay, why would I do this? <laughs> I'm not that desperate to change my name. It's ridiculous. So they've already said there are a couple games that they know have a big impact with this. Little Big Planet 3, The Golf Club 2, which I'd never even heard of, Everybody's Golf, and Onrush. And I know Onrush at least is a PS Plus game. I don't know if any of the others are PS Plus games, but yeah, it's dangerous. Go with care. I just don't understand... One, how this is such a problem for them, given that Microsoft did this years ago. And two, how they can launch this feature or service with so many issues and feel okay about it. Well, N- clearly, however their back end is structured, it's incredibly difficult. 
and they launch it because people won't shut up about it. It's like, well, right, look, but they're we launching found a way it to and make, it's we bad. Found a way to duct tape it to hit, like to we found a redneck fix for this thing. Yeah. If you want it, it's there for you. If you don't care about these issues, it's there for you. I, I think this is also them, like, talking about PS5. Maybe this is something going forward that they're like, hey, we're going to have this. Like, you will just be able to do that. We're going to make sure we set it up next time to where like, mm. that's not going to be an issue. I would like to I hear don't know them that they say can, that. Though. It's still the same but framework. They haven't said that. And at. At the end of the day, you can do it once for free, and then they charge you for it. So they can't like launch the PS5 and say, oh, you can change your name for free, because then the people that change their names and paid for it will be pissed off. Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I don't see how a new console solves the problem. I, I totally agree that there's some th- something fundamental to their infrastructure that makes this really hard to do. But my point is, at the end of the day, if it's really hard to do and you can't do it well, don't do it. This is the This is bad. They should not have launched this this way. They should let people continue to bitch about it and stick to their story of, it's just really hard for us guys. We're sorry. That's like, and then leave it at that. Don't put out a half baked service like this that could potentially fuck up people's games. I don't know. It's that it's kind of frustrating for me to see. But I'm also a person that doesn't like. I'm not super invested in trying to change my name. Right. So maybe for people that are casual that have have had their same gamer tag since like they were 12 years old. And they want to get rid of their XX420 Ghost XX name. And they don't care that it'll screw up some of their old games. Whatever. Alright. Crap ton of Star Wars news. Let's do it. So Star Wars Celebration happened. So we learned a shit ton about that. Yeah. Disney Plus. Uh, we saw the release or uh, um, reveal of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. The new game coming from Respawn that Vince Zampella so enthusiastically revealed right. at last E3. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It's a game. It's coming out. Here's the name. Uh, so it was a CG trailer, just a story trailer, which I'm a bit of two minds on. Like, it doesn't do a ton for me just to see CG cutscenes anymore. Yeah, Because everything looks so amazing, and you can cut it up however you want to make it look good. Like, until I see gameplay, I'm not going to be as excited for a game. Right. However, this at least confirmed that this is a story-focused single-player game. And they even reiterated this is in EA, too. Reiterated this is a single-player game. No microtransactions. Please, God, stop hating us. We're doing what you want. Please leave us alone. I think that was in the press release. Uh, So, yeah, my kind of response to this was, it feels like a new Force Unleashed. Not in terms of, like, gameplay or over-the-top nature, because we didn't really see any indication of that. But just that it's, it's, my assumption is that it is, like, an action-y story focused i mean it's single player like that's the last star wars game i can think of that was like that yeah so that's it's, just it's the vibe third that I person got. right like you're gonna have force powers Mm-hmm. yeah so like I, I saw on twitter someone posted like in response to this announcement like all right gamers this is your time to step up if you really think that single player games are important, you need to go buy this. No. And I was like, shut the what fuck off. I'm not just going to arbitrarily buy a game so they make more games that are like that game. If it's good, I'll buy it and I'll support it. 
But like, I'm not just so desperate for more single player games that I'm going to buy any single player game that comes out regardless of its quality. But you know, if this game comes out and it sucks and it doesn't sell well, you know EA is going to be like, guys, we made we made that single player Star Wars game you were asking for and you didn't buy it. We're not going to make it anymore. Yeah, because but, that, a but then the response idiots. is every everybody is going to respond. Yeah, you made a bad game, so we didn't buy it. Like that, they can say that argument all they want, but that's not gonna that's not gonna go two feet over the internet. But from from a corporation, that's all they care. Like to their stakeholders, that's all they care about because they, they don't care about us, Kyle. <laughs> EA doesn't give a shit about you or me or any consumer. They're a business. They care about their investors and their stakeholders. And they can say to their stakeholders, see guys, we, we put out Star Wars Battlefront with a shit ton of microtransactions. Everyone bitched about it, but look how much fucking money this game has made. We put out Star Wars Jedi Fallen whatever, single player game, no microtransactions. It only sold 3 million copies. We barely made money on it. Guess we better make Battlefront 3 with even more microtransactions, right guys? That's what's going to make us money. That's what I'm saying the response is going to be. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to buy a game... Because I want to see more single-player games. Sony has already proven that they are capable of selling single-player-only games and making a ton of money on them with God of War and Spider-Man and Horizon Zero Dawn. But third parties have definitely struggled with that more. Um, with few exceptions of like franchise games like Assassin's Creed. Right. But back to the game. In an interview uh, that Game Informer did, they learned a little bit more details about the characters and stuff. So the main character is Cal... He's a Jedi Padawan that never finished his training, and he's obviously hiding after the Purge, after Episode 3. Uh, you see a shot of his Jedi mentor, who's like Siri or something. I don't know how you pronounce her name. It's C-E-R-E. Uh, and that's his mentor throughout the game, who is a Jedi, but is not his original Jedi Master, they clarified. So maybe his actual Jedi Master is some a character we know, but clearly that dies during the Purge. The little Wally droid that you see in a couple shots is BD-1. That's like his friend droid companion that's with him all the time. They showed new enemies called Purge Troopers, which have made appearances in the comics previously, but this is the first time they're being in like a video game or anything like that. And they kind of like adapted the stuff from the video games that they accompany the Inquisitors, which are some of the people that are like in charge of hunting down the Jedi. So they're like the main enemies of this. And then uh, the planet that you see that like the, his, the ship is on with the big looking Sarlacc pit thing. It's called Braca. It's like a shipbuilding world for the Empire. And uh, that Sarlacc pit thing they described as being the a living garbage disposal for the planet. Which is why they have the ship building stuff on there. Because they can just like, ah oh, shoot, mess this part up. Just throw it over the edge. The giant monster will eat it. <laughs> uh, which is a pretty cool idea. And the game's coming out this year. Just like they originally said in 2019, it releases on November 15th. So, as I said, it being a CG trailer only, I can't like say, like, oh yeah, I'm buying the hell out of this. But there's enough about it that seems interesting. The track record of Respawn makes me give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm excited to see more. Am I? Alright. Am I the only person that saw the trailer? Am I the only person here? That saw the trailer mm-hmm. of the two of us, mm-hmm. uh, and my immediate reaction was, "We're really just gonna make another Force Unleashed where I play another white dude." It's Star I... Wars, 
and yes. I'm playing another white dude. Are you kidding yes. me? I had that reaction as well. Okay. At the end of the day, this is a game coming from EA, one of the largest video game publishers, who is trying to appeal to as broad a market as possible. And what's the biggest demographic of gamers? White dudes. I'm not saying that that's the way they have to do it, but if you look at video games, and like I use the Assassin's Creed Odyssey as my example for this. They put out a game where you could pick the female character or the male character. Literally everyone that played the game as the female character said, this is the way to play it. You should play as Cassandra. She's amazing. The dude sucks. If you look at the demographics, 70% of gamers played as the guy. And this is in an industry where people, quote unquote, have been clamoring for more female main characters, more representation in games. And 70% of the people played as the dude, the white dude. At the end of the day, that's the major demographic. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying it's okay. But I'm saying from a business perspective, that's the thing that makes sense. It is way less creative and interesting, but it's the thing that makes the most business sense. That's where we are. (sighs) I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Horizon Zero Dawn was one of my favorite games of 2017. Just like a female protagonist. Male or female. Could be an alien. Could be anything. True. Could be a droid. I didn't even didn't even think about the fact that droid droids can't feel the force, but (laughs) Right. Could be anything. Right. Yeah. It's just like Ah like fucking uh be creative. I think here's my thing though. I feel like the industry as a whole is way better about diversity in games than it's ever been. And it will only continue to get better. I don't think it's fair to call out every game that doesn't have a diverse main character because like, is the goal really for every game to either feature a female protagonist or a minority male protagonist and have no games have white dudes as the main characters? No, like that shouldn't be the goal either. It's just more better equal representation. Right. And so, and I totally understand this is a high-profile game. It's Star Wars. It's EA. It's the single-player game people want. And yes, it's a white dude. And that's kind of annoying. But there are, thankfully, far more games that are not that nowadays. Yeah. My thing is just, like, it's Star Wars. It could literally be anything. It's not just... You are 100% right. It, it's not just human races. It's not just yes. male-female. It could literally be anything. And how much more interesting could that be? Right. But whatever. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, Also at Star Wars Celebration, we got the trailer for Star Wars, the next movie, episode nine. And I actually, before it happened, and we were planning on talking about um, some Star Wars stuff, I was like, oh, bet you we're going to get a trailer for this soon because it's supposed to come out in December. And then we got a trailer before I could even make that prediction. (laughs) Right. um, Episode nine is called The Rise of Skywalker. People have a lot of opinions on Star Wars, and we're all surprised. Um, <laughs> so, taken at face value, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. It just—I think it's kind of a dumb-sounding title for the movie. It is interesting because it could have a lot of implications and a lot of different potential meanings. The most obvious of which is that Rey is actually Luke's daughter. Kylo was lying to her that her parents are nobodies. 
and that's what the, and this is a, a story of how she becomes the new force master and whatever implications afterwards that's, that's definitely the what the answer. trailer wants you to think the way it's edited 100%. together which 100%. that ha i firmly believe that's a red herring totally because Every other trailer for all the other Star Wars movies have done similar things. Right. Where it makes you believe, like, oh, this is what's happening, and it isn't because they want to trick you. Because that's the point of a trailer when it comes to a movie like this. Like, Star Wars trailers aren't about, let's show you a little bit about the movie and convince you to come see it. <laughs> because they don't need to convince anyone to come see it. The point of the trailer is to get you hyped up for what might happen. And there are a lot of moments in this trailer that are hype, nostalgia moments that I believe will not play out the way that the trailer wants you to believe. Right. One of which is the the title of the film. So, I didn't come up with this theory, but it is the theory that I prescribe to. I've seen it a couple different places. And it is in a recent Star Wars novel, which is canon. It has the Chiss, which is Grand Admiral Thrawn's race, where they meet with some Jedi... And they describe those Jedi because they're amazing fighter pilots. They reference those Jedi because they've never heard the word Jedi. They call them Skywalkers. And it's cute little whatever. But the point is, it's a different name for Jedi that this other race calls Jedi. In Force Awakens, in The Last Jedi, Luke has a whole diatribe about how he failed with the new Jedi Order. The Jedi have always failed to fight against the darkness. It doesn't work. Blah, blah, blah. The Jedi are dead. And in the trailer, there's something about like, oh, um, something like something new from the ashes or whatever. And there's a quote, we've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now, which presumably is talking to Rey. The theory is that Rise of Skywalker has nothing to do with Rey, but it is her becoming the first Skywalker. Right, she's not a Jedi, she's a Skywalker. She's a Skywalker. Because like the order so, of Jedi clearly wasn't working, but yes. they're still force users. They still want to have a positive like message and effect on the universe or the galaxy, and so they go with the term Skywalker. Yes. That even that feels a little obvious, but like yeah. is I think that's would be pretty fucking cool if that is what it is. That makes a lot of sense to me because it's both honoring Luke and the Skywalker lineage while also like turning your back on the badness of the Jedi. Because like this has been an ongoing argument amongst people that care about Star Wars. Like if you look at the prequels and how the Jedi were and the decisions that they made, even Yoda, who was like hailed as the greatest Jedi of all time. They have some really fucked up ideologies. Yeah. And some stuff that's really backwards and not okay and some poor perspectives. And so this is an opportunity to not like completely diminish everything, but to pick and choose what worked and invent something new. And that is really exciting. Thinking about are they going to make episode 10 or are they going to do spinoff movies or are they going to take this new franchise in a, in a direction and as a, or, or not, or just have this be the last the like latest story in Star Wars and everything else happens beforehand, regardless of the, what direction they tried to take the franchise, that would be a really cool launching point for this is the new status quo of the Jedi. We are no longer Jedi. We no longer believe in light versus dark. We no longer believe in not having feelings. 
where we are Skywalkers. Like that's really fucking cool. As a as a Star Wars nerd, that ideology is really cool to me. So I think that would be pretty neat. Also in the trailer, at the very end, you see Ray and Poe and Finn standing over this like ocean with really cool looking waves crashing where you see the remnants of the Death Star. I don't know if it's supposed to be the Yavin 4 Death Star, uh, which one it is, but um, you hear Darth Sidious laugh. J.J. Abrams has already confirmed that Darth Sidious is in this movie. And so people are like, what? So this could go a million different ways. He's Maybe he survived when Darth Vader pushed through him off the thing. Maybe they're using the storyline from uh, the Timothy Zahn books where... In those books, Luke goes to the dark side because a clone of Emperor Palpatine brings him to the dark side, blah, 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 and then he comes back, etc. I hope they don't touch any of the clone stuff. That was such bad fiction. Totally agree. Totally agree. I did not like that storyline. It's like my least favorite Timothy Zahn storyline from the Star Wars books. But I'm saying like theories around Darth Sidious being in this movie. Here's my theory. Which again, I'm sure this isn't a unique theory. Let's go back... Let me paint a picture for you. Episode 3, Revenge of, Revenge of, the, of the Sith. There's a small scene with Senator Palpatine at the time talking to young Anakin Skywalker, played brilliantly by the handsome Hayden Christensen, where they are sitting at this like musical performance show, and he tells a little story about uh, Darth Plagueis the Wise, who was this old Sith that could control life he could create life he could destroy life he could move between different lives essentially travel through time this guy could and he was usurped by his padawan implications are that palpatine aka darth sidious was that padawan that he killed darth Plagueis. but what if he didn't what if Darth Plagueis is Palpatine slash Darth Sidious? And that's just his new body, like Voldemort, able to subsist between forms and move from form to form with eternal life because he has the power to do that, to create new forms for himself. What if, after Palpatine dies, aka Darth Plagueis, he moves to a new form? Called Snoke. What if, when Snoke dies, he moves to a new form? Which could be whatever, but he has that that laugh, that Darth Sidious laugh, is not Darth Sidious. It's Darth Plagueis. So yes, is Darth Sidious in this movie? Sure, but only because Darth Sidious is actually Darth Plagueis, who is in this movie. That's my theory. Or, I have some dots, I think, to connect, but yeah. Or, because when a powerful mm-hmm. Sith or Jedi dies, remnants of the darker light side power remain. So, Ray right. is led to the fragments of the Death Star where Sidious's like, dark side essence still resides and permeates the ruins of the Death Star. And Ray has a moment like Luke does in the jungle on... Um, in the swamp on um, Dagobah. Dagobah, thank you. Uh, which, the whole reason Yoda was there was because he fled there because Order 66, 
and there was a powerful Sith who died in Dagobah, and Yoda was using his powerful light side and the remnants of the powerful dark side of the Sith who died there to cancel each other out so he couldn't be detected, blah, blah, blah. So what if Rey is doing a similar thing and she is going somewhere to mask her presence from whoever might be hunting her? Or what if Rise of the Skywalker is just referring to... Um, Fuckboy. Um, what's his face? Short torso. Why can't I think of his name? What? The, the new Hayden Christensen. Why can't I think of his name? Finn? No. Fuck. The new Hayden Christensen? Uh, oh, Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren, thank you. What if... Because Kylo Ren is bad. technically a Skywalker, because he's, like, Leia's son, so he's a Skywalker. So right. So it could be in reference True. to him. Maybe his rise to could power be. or rise to the light side. Maybe he didn't actually kill his father. Maybe Han forced his hand, like no. people say. It no. no. He killed his dad. He's a piece of shit. So... And that's that's my thing with this, because obviously a lot of people want to see this redemption story, because that's kind of the arc of all of these movies. The redemption story of Kylo Ren. And I'm like, fuck that. If they make it so that he comes back to the light side, I'll be pissed off. He has done everything he did in The Last Jedi and at the end of Force Awakens. He doesn't... He There is no redemption. And Rey even goes as far as to say that in The Last Jedi. And I just don't... I, I don't... I cannot believe that that's what's going to happen. And if it is, I'll be really annoyed. There's already been, it's not a tiff, but it's a little back and forth between Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams of Ryan Johnson. He came out, he's like, Oh, this movie looks amazing. I'm so excited. Fuck off Ryan Johnson. No one gives a shit. But also his, he was like, if they want to undo some of the stuff I did in the last Jedi, that'd be cool with me, which is also annoying as hell. Cause then he even is admitting what I did was unpopular and doesn't matter. Like, what the fuck, you fucking piece of shit. I'm, I hate, I cannot stand this fucking guy. I will never see a Ryan Johnson movie, period. Ever again. I don't want to support anything he does. Fuck off. But, all of those things that you just described, all feel to, I mean, could be completely accurate, but those all feel like the most obvious answers to these questions. Right. Like the forced memory of Darth Sidious being in that, the remnants of the Death Star, all that shit. 100% could be the answer, but that's like the most obvious answer and therefore the least interesting answer. I would love, and obviously, you know, they're my theories that I prescribe to, so obviously I would prefer those to be true. But I just think that those things are so so much more interesting to like think of Rey creating this new order called the Skywalkers, to think of the main villain from the original the prequels being the same villain from the trilogy, from the original trilogy, from the new trilogy, like that, that overarching storyline could be really cool to tie all those things together versus Ray is actually Luke's daughter. And she has a dark side experience on the death star where she hears Darth Sidious's voice, which is essentially the same as the thing that already happened to her in the last Jedi, which is essentially the same thing that happened to Luke on Dagobah. We're repeating ourselves yet again. Like those are just so such uninteresting answers to those questions. Right. The biggest thing that I got out of this though was Lando. (laughs) Lando is in this and I'm super hyped about it. I was annoyed that he wasn't in either of the previous movies. So I'm glad he's there. Billy D's looking a little aged. Yeah. But he's still looking charming as hell, man. I'm pumped. 
I, I should say I'm pumped for Lando. For the actual movie, my expectations are as low as they could possibly be, just because of The Force Awakens, while good, was not particularly interesting as a movie, and The Last Jedi was arguably worse than the prequels. So, yeah. Not, I, like, super pumped, but... I really like wish I knew what a J.J. Abrams trilogy would have really yep. looked like. Because, like, was, yep. he, was he setting up... Force Awakens as a nostalgia trip, not just to get butts in the seats and to make people like and give them something familiar, but because he's setting up the beginning of this other cycle that he will be breaking by the end of it. Like this this yep. cycle of light and dark wipe each other out and it has to start anew every single time. Like is that is he gonna be ending that cycle? Like he's he starts it anew. So it's somewhere like it's a familiar starting point, but then I, I wish I, I wish we could know what his full trilogy looked like, because um, yep. like the idea of like the light side, well, and the the idea of abolishing light versus dark, and like having a Skywalker order that kind of embraces the good parts of both, uh, both sides of the Force, mm-hmm. um, going forward, like that's how. That's how you bring balance to the force, right? Is by embracing yeah. the good parts of both, not choosing a side, right? You embrace both sides. Um Yeah, I don't know. Like I I feel like there's a really cool way I, I feel like there's a really cool narrative through line where like Anakin was the chosen one meant to bring balance to the force. <sighs> But maybe, like, indirectly, like, maybe he brings balance to the Force by having Luke and Luke's teaching, like, short-time mentoring Ray, like, has the effect on her and she's the one who really brings balance or whatever, like, how, you know, how fast and loose with the prophecy do they want to play it? But, like, Yeah, that's a little, that's a, because I've seen that theory, too, and that's a bit of a stretch to me. Um, doesn't mean that it won't happen, but, like... The Ray actually being the one to bring balance is that that I think is kind of dumb. If yeah, that's what or happens. like that justification. Because I, I don't remember the wording of the prophecy. Was the prophecy that a Skywalker would bring balance to the Force? No, it was specifically a child created from midichlorians. Oh, right. Which ended that's up right. being Anakin. That's right. Or created by the Force, I should say. It wasn't midichlorians, but a child created by the Force. Which is what happened. Well, we don't know Ray's parents. Yeah. Yeah. She could also have been created by the Force. Right. I'm just saying that would be dumb. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But it would be it would be a nice bow tie on the prophecy, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. As it stands right now, like a prophecy was wrong, which is kind of weird. No. Vader did bring balance to the Force. It didn't last, but he did bring balance. I guess. Yeah, that um, fart. Yeah, the the only th- other thing worth mentioning, J.J. Abrams uh, in an interview has said that Episode Nine does not take place immediately after Episode Eight. Didn't specify like, hey, is it five years? Is it a year? Is it six months? But that does at least give pause to how the Last Jedi ended with the Rebels fleeing with no support or backup. Where it's like, yeah, this situation 
There is no hope to be had, despite what the voiceover is saying. They have no help, and they are on the run. There are literally dozens of rebels left in the entire galaxy. They're screwed. So, I'm sure this is a way for him to write himself out of that hole that Ryan Johnson put him in, because Ryan Johnson is a bad writer. So, good on them for finding a way of like trying to fudge the numbers a little bit. And I would not at all be surprised to see some of the stuff retconned, like us finding out that Ray's parents actually were something. Um, just because the general reaction to The Last Jedi was not positive, particularly in how it treats the Star Wars lore. So, J.J. Abrams, despite The Force Awakens feeling like a retread, it was clearly made from someone who loves and respects Star Wars. Right. Ryan Johnson's felt like a teenager that wanted to break his dad's toys made into a movie so i'm not a big fan of ryan johnson i don't know if that's clear so that's where i'm coming from uh they have also come out and said that after episode nine comes out they're taking a bit of a hiatus with star wars movies which my response to this was good they have like nine other movies that are currently in development including a trilogy that ryan johnson is making a trilogy that the game of thrones creators are making some other one-off movies like a boba fett movie the obi-wan movie all that kind of shit. Uh, but as obviously a response to the tepid response to Solo, both critically and commercially, because it came out so closely after The Last Jedi, which was also highly mixed critically. Obviously, it succeeded because it was a Star Wars movie. But they did a smart thing. And after Solo, radio silence until now when it comes to Episode Nine, They gave people a breath. And so then if they wait a year... And then announce another Star Wars movie that comes out six months after that. That will be a nice calm before more Star Wars stuff comes back up. So I think yeah. it's a very smart move. This only really works if Episode Nine is good, right? Like if it's right. good, people will be back on board with the franchise. They will want more. If it comes out and it is not good, that will be three bad Star Wars movies in a row. Yeah. At that point, people will be like, okay, I think we might be done with Star Wars. Period. Yeah. Bring Maybe it back not like, in a decade. Not three bad Star Wars movies, but three underperforming. Maybe, well, also, maybe they're not underperforming, but critically underwhelming. Well, yes, but I'm saying The Last Jedi was a bad movie. It did well, but it was a bad movie. Yes. Solo was both a bad movie and it underperformed commercially. Solo was not a bad movie. In in On a scale... Of Star Wars, it was bad. Compared to The Force Awakens, compared to Rogue One, compared to the original trilogy, it is worse than all of those. No. Solo is not worse than Rogue One. I don't... Okay, I am not saying this as my opinion. I am not saying this as your opinion. I am saying this as critical, societal opinion. People liked that movie less than the other Star Wars movies. That's my point. People are fucking nuts. But who gives a shit? The people, quote-unquote, society, consumers with a capital C, that's who they care about. They're, they don't, they're not making a movie for you based on your, you know, beliefs and, and opinions. Maybe they should, and then everyone would like it. Yeah, maybe Everyone would. would. <laughs> I'm just saying that if this movie comes out and people don't like it, it's going to make a shit ton of money because it's a core Star Wars movie. But if people if it comes out and people don't like it, they will be far more inclined to take a longer break on Star Wars than if it comes out and it's awesome. That That's my point. Yeah. All right. Disney Plus. So we got some details about that service. 
It's coming out in November, November 12th. Uh, it is $7 per month, or you can pay for a year, 70 bucks, and save yourself $14. Um, it's going to be a combination of both original content, like the Mandalorian show, which we'll talk about in a sec. They have a, a show called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which sounds like something that I'm going to watch. And then they're going to have all of the Disney animated movies. Most of the Star Wars movies. I'm not sure what that means, but they said most. Most of the Pixar movies. And uh, recent st- uh, live action Disney movies like the Mary Poppins movie. All the Disney Channel original shows and movies. They have exclusive streaming rights to The Simpsons now after the Fox acquisition. And they said they will also have over 250 hours of National Geographic content, because Disney also owns Nat Geo. So that's a pretty healthy stable of content for $7 a month, I believe. Some of it depends on the quality of the original content, how much original content they continue to produce. But just saying, like, hey, I can watch any Disney movie I want. I can watch, ideally, any or most Marvel movie, Star Wars movie that I want, Pixar movie that I want for $7 a month. That seems pretty worth it. Specific to the man, what you don't you don't think so? Uh, I just like for me personally, I don't know how often I would want to watch any of those things. Hmm. I like I watch like a Disney movie a year. Um. Just because like there's a lot of other there's a lot of new stuff to watch and a lot of yeah like. I don't know, like the the stuff that I'm nostalgic for, the classic stuff, I own it on disc. Right. So like until I di- would until say... disc rot claims those from me, um, <laughs> I don't really need it. I would say you're in the minority on that. Though. Yeah, probably. I to me the value is there, and it, I I don't mean to me as in me me personally, but I believe that for people that want that content, seven dollars a month. Is a, is a good value for people that would want that content. Yeah. Well, and like you have a daughter now, so when she's old enough to be watching stuff, the oh, ability shit, to like yeah. play Disney movies whenever right. is attractive, I'm sure. Yeah, just not Frozen. <laughs> right. Ugh. Just, I, don't, I don't want my daughter to Yeah, like don't let her know it exists. I'm sick of Frozen. <laughs> just the only, yeah, weird, the only Disney movie that exists is Aladdin. <laughs> right. Um. So, The Mandalorian, we also got some new details based on... Um, the Star Wars experience. We did get a trailer, which is a bit of a bummer. They showed some exclusive behind-the-scenes stuff to attendees of the the panel, um, but we didn't have access to that. But it's also coming out on November 12th, so it's launching when Disney Plus launches. At the panel, they had Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy. They had show creator and showrunner Jon Favreau. They had Star Wars Clone Wars creator and like director slash writer of The Mandalorian, Dave Filoni. And then stars Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, and Carl Weathers all at the panel to talk about the show. What we learned, some of this we already knew, but a kind of reiteration, takes place after Return of the Jedi. It is at a time where the Empire is broken, but are trying to reform. So it's kind of like the formation of the New Order. It's sort of that timeline with traditional stormtroopers in it. Um, they, for story ideas, for character ideas, they said they leaned heavily into the old expanded universe content, which is potentially cool. Not that they necessarily would like bring specific characters from the old EU into this, but storylines, 
character types might be in there. So that's kind of cool of a way a way that stuff for, to kind of live on again might be neat. And then they talked about the actual characters. So Pedro Pascal, who plays the Mandalorian, doesn't have an actual name yet. Uh, he is a bounty hunter and lone gunfighter with questionable morals. So he is a, an anti-hero television protagonist. Because that's what all anti-hero television protagonists are like. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's fine. I like Pedro Pascal at Star Wars. I'm sure it'll be cool. Gina Carano plays Cara Dune, who is an ex-rebel shock trooper. So she's like a boots-on-the-ground, badass, ex-rebel character. They showed a still of her from the show where she's holding, like, a big gun. She's in, like, this, like, black armor. She looks pretty badass. And then Carl Weathers plays Grief Marga, who is the dude that hires the Mandalorian character. So he, I'm sure, is going to be some sort of, like, not mentor, but kind of, like, boss slash foil to the Mandalorian in the show. It's a good Star Wars name. Grief Marga. Grief Marga. It's just a bunch of, like, consonants and vowels slammed together. (laughs) Uh, And then they showed the Razorcrest, which is the ship that the Mandalorian uses. And they also made mention that George Lucas contributed some story ideas. So that's a bit scary. Yeah, he contributed some story ideas. You know, like Star Wars. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah i guess to clarify they didn't say that they used the story ideas but they right. contributed ideas yeah george in george lucas's contract it says at star wars celebration you have to mention how i contributed ideas <laughs> um yeah uh okay what else we got here so on the marvel side of things kevin feige who is running the marvel studios stuff After Avengers Endgame comes out, that ends Marvel Phase 3 and kicks off Marvel Phase 4, where we would presumably get a sequel to Black Panther, a sequel to Captain Marvel. We're already having Star Wars, or sorry, Spider-Man Far From Home, which is the first movie of Phase 4. But Kevin Feige came out and said, hey, we've had this five-year plan for all these movies that we're going to have, including, he didn't mention this, but there's a potential for an um, an Eternals movie, which is another like galactic uh, Marvel group starring Angelina Jolie. I've seen a couple rumors about that. But this all ties back to, they now have the X-Men characters. And he has said, like, we're not planning on bringing the X-Men into the fold in Phase 4 over this next five years. That doesn't mean that X-Men characters might not pop up or that they won't bring in the idea of mutants because mutants don't really exist in Marvel fiction right now because they had the Inhumans instead on the shows. Right. And they just made up, like, um, uh, what's-her-face? W- the Widow. Not not Black Widow. The Red Witch chick. What's that character's name? Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, who are supposed to be mutants, but in the show, they are not mutants. They're just more superpower people. So they could certainly start laying the ground rules of mutants and bring that idea into a next Avengers movie or something. Or they could introduce Deadpool or have Wolverine in it, but not like the actual X-Men movies. And that they are obviously still releasing X-Men Dark Phoenix. A bunch of trailers have come out for that. And they're still apparently releasing that New Mutants horror movie that the chick that plays Arya, Maisie Williams, is in. Apparently they're still releasing that. That was supposed to come out this month originally, April 2019. And then, or I think it was supposed to come out in February. And then they pushed it back to April. And then that's the last we heard about it. After the acquisition happened, they haven't talked about it. But apparently they're still planning on releasing it at some point. 
So who knows if those will tie into the new X-Men universe, Marvel universe, or if those are like the last remnants of the old stuff and they're going to completely reboot it. No indications. The The biggest thing is like there are no plans to have the X-Men in the next five years of Marvel. So a lot of people I'm sure will be really disappointed by that. For me, I am beyond reaching fatigue with superhero stuff. I'm pretty hyped for Endgame just because it's the big culmination of everything that's happened for the past decade. But like, I still haven't seen Captain Marvel. So I need to see that before I go see Avengers Endgame, which means I'm not going to be seeing Avengers Endgame when it comes out this week. I guess I also have a newborn child, which makes it difficult, but mostly because I haven't seen Captain Marvel. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's, I'm of two minds. I get why people want X-Men and they want Marvel to do it because they believe that Marvel will do it right. But I also get why they don't want to completely throw out their original plan because their plan has been successful. Regardless of what you think about the fatigue or about some of the up and down quality of some of the movies, Marvel has done a good job with its film franchise considering they make billions of dollars with every fucking movie that comes out. So I'm going to trust them is what I'm trying to say. Finally, we have two other kind of announcement or updates on working projects. So Netflix's The Witcher series starring Henry Cavill is coming out this year. Henry Cavill and Henry Cavill's wig. Right. Uh, And fake scar. And fake eyes. And fake beard. And fake acting. (laughs) That's the key. Uh, Netflix has said it's coming out in Q4, which will be between October and December, December of 2019. And apparently the show is still shooting in Hungary right now, which seems weird from the timeline, uh, but also explains why we haven't seen like an actual trailer or anything yet. I'll watch it. I mean, I'll start watching it. Can't, not going to commit myself to finishing it, but right. I, will, I will start. I will start watching it. And then Master Chief has been cast in the Showtime Halo show that is being made. Uh, John117 will be played by Pablo Schreiber. For folks that have seen Orange is the New Black, he played one of the security guards with the mustache. He uh, was in 13 Hours. He was one of the soldiers in that Michael Bay movie. And then he's in American Gods, which I have not seen. But look him up on IMDb. He seems like a decent actor. He's like a Ryan Reynolds light. Like he's a handsome, charming kind of dude. He seems fine. I don't know anything about Um, him. Non-offensive character, uh, uh, actor. Okay. Uh, as part of this, they also said that the show will take place during the timeline of the games, but it will be mixing around with some of the stories and introducing new characters and stuff. So not sure how like hardcore fans of Halo are going to feel about them like changing some of the story. I can tell you right now, I don't feel good about it. <laughs> I assumed that. <laughs> they did that in the games. Yes. True. Uh, and it's coming out in 2020. So I don't have cool. Showtime, so I won't even commit myself to starting to watch Halo, <laughs> the Halo TV series. <laughs> but maybe. If torrenting is still around in 2020. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for news. I didn't do a hate of the week again this week. I just don't want to. I've been dealing with some stuff that I don't want to be, I don't want more frustration and I just love my fucking daughter so much. She just brings me so much joy. It's hard to, like, actually choose to bitch about something. Things come up. Like, hey, if you want to call something the hate of the week, it's Ryan Johnson. If we're just going to call hate of the week the thing I, I hated the most during this episode, it's Ryan Johnson. 
So let's 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 move forward. Shocker. Yeah. But we did get an email from our good buddy Steve in Washington, D.C. Steve says, Shay, you and Kyle both get to select the next DLC character in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Who do you choose? What special moves will they have? And are there any stages or music you would love to see come with them? Be sure to pick who you want instead of who you predict is most likely to be the next inclusion. No need to appease the masses here. Also, congrats on Parenthood. Glad to hear everything as well. And I wish you and your family nothing but the best. Steve. Thank you, uh, obviously, Steve, for the well wishes. I hope everything's good with you too, man. Um, as for Super Smash, I have a list here. Kyle, you do not like Super Smash Brothers. I don't, but I have a really good one. Give me. Hit me. Missing No from Pokemon. Great one. When you choose him, mm-hmm. it makes the disc explode. Right. I was going to say the game crashes <laughs> or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I, I guess like a more interesting way to ask this from your perspective, is there a character they could include that made you go, all right, I need to see this? No. <laughs> all right. I guess if there was a I character, I don't like the style of game. Yeah, so. I think that's fine. That's fair. They could put me in the game, and I would be like, I don't want to even look at this. Well, well who would anyways, dude. but. There already are me's in the game. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and you can choose which combat style. You can be Link, you can be Mega Man, or you can be the uh, box punch-out guy. Wow. As your kind of archetype. What's yeah, man. Great choices. So I have a long list here. I, to be honest, I didn't think in detail about like the special moves and stages and stuff, but I'll, I'll think through those as I go through. So the first one that popped into my head is the obvious one. It's the character everyone's been clamoring for, and I am also on the bandwagon, and that's Waluigi. Because he's a great Nintendo character, and he deserves to get his due. He is so much better than Wario. He's better than Luigi, let's be honest. He deserves to be in that game. I feel like if he was going to have a course, it would need to be some kind of like upside-down-y troll course, where like all of the items don't work the way they're supposed to work. Like That would be his, like maybe that's his special attack too. He screwed like he randomizes items. So like a Pokeball actually is a bob bomb. Or like if you throw a box, it actually heals the person you hit them with. That kind of shit. I think that would be pretty fun and insanity inducing. Okay. Another character, because I actually a long time ago, I was gonna before Super Smash Bros. Ultimate released, I w- uh, had planned a blog post about like here are the characters I want to see in Smash. So I had a very long list of already existing ones to choose from. I'm only going to give my favorites because that list was like 40 characters long. But my number one, my actual number one that I wanted to see was Beautiful Joe. Super underrated game from the GameCube era. Loved that game. The sequel was slightly less good, but it was still really good. But he's just like a side-scrolling. It is Capcom. Okay. So he, I mean, it's very cartoony aesthetic. He's a superhero. He's got like a cool red shit and a cape and like a white hat with like little spike things on it he just beats dudes up with the rad style and i just think his kind of aesthetic would fit into uh smash really well and it'd be really easy to adapt one of the courses from the game and as a level paper mario could also be interesting he'd be a kind of a combination of mario with um shit what's that the black uh 2d character what's that thing's name oh game and watch Game & Watch, thank you. Be a kind of a combination of that. You could have some, like, elements of mixed perspective with him on a stage, maybe. 
Captain Toad I thought would be cute. I mean, we already have all the four main characters from um, Super Mario Brothers 2, so Toad's the missing one. And I feel like Captain Toad is the new incarnation of Toad, where he could have, like, fun things where he could throw blocks and have something with coins. He's got that cute, like, adventure dude style. I always loved coming across him in Super Mario Galaxy, so he'd be fun. Um, from We already have Sonic, so it makes sense to also add Tails, potentially, although I'm not a huge Tails fan. Knuckles might be too much like Sonic, so the character I'd add from there would be Dr. Robotnik, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Eggman. Um, he'd be on his, like, robo-suit, I think, and have some kind of, like, big power attack with the gems, or the emeralds, or whatever. Um, also advocate for Rayman, just because he'd be, he, he already works in a side-scrolling perspective. He could have some fun, like, spin attacks and stuff, considering he doesn't really have a body. He could do some fun things with his attacks. Bubsy? He's a Genesis character, so it's a bit of a stretch here. But uh, just as a nostalgia factor, much like Waluigi, where, like, he's a really hated character. Everyone fucking hates Bubsy, so it'd be hilarious to see in, in Smash. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and then um, I.I., who's from Super Monkey Ball. He's the little monkey you play oh, right, as. right, yeah. Um, he's freaking adorable. And you could do really cool things, especially for with this uh, final Smash, from, like, him on a, a ball where you kind of have to... I don't know if you could use, like, the motion controls with the Switch, but something where you have to, like, control his movement or something would be, could be cute. And then I went for a little bit of stretches as well, just of, like, what are other third-party games that have been on old-school Nintendo consoles? Two of the most popular Final Fantasy games that were originally on um, NES and SNES. Final Fantasy IV, I would advocate for Cecil, who's the main character of that game. He's a knight. So he would function kind of similar to probably, like, the Fire Emblem characters. He'd be a little more straightforward. But from Final Fantasy VI, I would choose Shadow, who is kind of like a tertiary character that comes in and out of the story. And mostly just, he'd be interesting because he's like an assassin style. So he'd be kind of like Sheik, sort of, where like he can kind of use um, uh, invisibility or like puffs of smoke to move around the, the, the map. He has shurikens for ranged attacks. And he's kind of like, you know, he's just that like sneaky assassin style guy. And then finally... I had another idea for a blog post of just a bunch of Pokemon that I would add. And so with this, it's a DLC pack. It's your Pokemon Pokemon Ball 6 pack of your 6 starters for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I work in marketing. Hire me, Nintendo. I'm so, <laughs> like, I'm so good at this. But the characters I would choose, Hitman Lee, Hitman Chan, they're a bit obvious, but I like both of them as separate characters just because they have different kind of fighting styles and I think would obviously go really well in Smash. Graveler. I chose Graveler over Geodude or Gollum because Gollum's kind of big and hulking and annoying. And Geodude, his like not having legs is a little odd from a Smash character so i think graveler makes the most sense he could have you know obviously rock themed attacks that would make him different than hitman lee and hitman chan scyther he's one of my favorite pokemon we already have caesar as a pokeball character that jumps across the screen scyther would be cool because he could have like an extra jump or like a a glide because he has the wings and he's just super fast and he goes scyther which is awesome (laughs) uh gengar because he'd be a different kind of pokemon Uh, And he could have spooky vibes to him. And then Alakazam is my sixth. Because he, again, not a straight up just punching dude style character. But he could have more like the Mewtwo style psychic attacks could be cool. So that was a long list. But there you go, Steve. Ask and you shall receive a shit ton of characters that should be added to Smash. That's what I would advocate for. 
All right. That's it. That came upon me abruptly. That's the end. That's the end of the podcast. Whoa. For some reason, I thought we had something else to talk about, but that's it. We made it. <laughs> Hooray. So let's give something that uh, we don't hate. I'll say I don't hate my girls, my wife, and my little baby pen. Just stuff going on. I rely on my wife a lot for strength and to be my rock and my partner. And I rely on Penny to bring me that joy just looking at her gives me and really helps me through uh, some stuff that's going on. So very thankful for both of my girls. And Penny relies on you for life. (laughs) True. Accurate. (laughs) Symbiotic Uh, relationship. Yeah. And I don't hate that it's Easter today. Mm. Should have said that at the jump. Happy Easter to everyone. Yeah. A day late. Dollar short. But why why do you not hate that it's Easter? I, I don't guess. Candy and stuff. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. If that's the logic, really you should not hate the day after Easter. Because that's where you get all that shit on sale. Ooh, good point. I but put it's a all reminder like, in my you calendar. You go to the store and it's all gone. Yeah, I'm a little worried about that. But I put a reminder in my calendar to stop by Publix on my way home from work tomorrow. But you're right. I bet you it'll be pretty picked clean. Those Reese's peanut butter eggs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, they yeah. also have, and I don't know if, if you guys have these. They might be like a regional or a test market thing. But they have Reese's imitation Cadbury eggs, which are they're the same shape and size as a Cadbury egg. But it's filled not just with the same Reese's peanut butter peanut butter, but it's more of a. It's like goopier. Not, yeah, like not like, it's not as goopy as Cadbury. It's not like a saying it's a sauce sounds kind of gross. Like a nougat. But it's like more. No, it's not as um, it's more like liquidy, but it's not liquidy goopy like a Cadbury egg, but it's more it's creamier. It's a creamier peanut butter center and they're very good. Just as an alternative to Reese's, still the classic. There's like there's nothing in this world better than a Cadbury cream egg. Did we talk about this last episode? No, we wouldn't have. Maybe no. we were texting about it or something. But Cadbury cream eggs are amazing, and they're even more amazing because they're only available around Easter. So like it's right. like that like they, you can't limited. have them year round. A little bit goes a long way. But my only issue with them is I only want half of one. Like a whole cat, it's too rich. I eat the whole thing. Don't get As me wrong. As someone but I who lives their life poor, it's nice to have something rich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with a name like Kyle, as we talked right, about. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you live, like the other, like like the one percent. You go and get your discount Cadbury cream eggs. You poor piece of shit. You don't deserve Cadbury cream eggs. <laughs> Man, I, I will say it makes me sad when I play games and I have like a lot of money. I'm like, it, oh, in a game, this yeah. isn't real. I wish. <laughs> like right now it's in Elder Scrolls Blades, I have forty thousand gold. Forty thousand mm. gold. That's a lot of gold, man. If that was just dollars, if that was pennies, I'd be happy. What's forty thousand pennies? Isn't that four hundred dollars? Yeah. I Wait, would love or is to it just four thousand dollars. Oh, is it four thousand? I think it's four thousand. Yeah, yeah. No. Divided by a hundred. Forty. Right. Forty thousand divided oh, by right. hundred. Four thousand or four hundred. Yeah, that's not that. That's not that much money, dude. Yeah, it's four hundred. 
hey, you know, if I got $400, I'd feel sure. pretty good. Yeah, I agree. You're right. That's not going to go like a really long way. But if you were just get $400, I don't think many people would complain about that. Right. Hey, you could buy a digital Xbox One S with a year of Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold. Most of a year of Game Pass and Xbox yeah. Live Gold. Because wasn't it 430 Wasn't it? Yeah. Thing? Plus tax. It's like 450 Yeah. Yeah. And then you spent it all on that and didn't get any Cadbury cream eggs. Right. It's a problem. Four hundred dollars could buy you a fair amount of Cadbury cream eggs, and then you're living. You could live like the rich year round. Yeah, but they don't. <laughs> they don't last. They don't last. Because like, yeah. like inevitably, there's that like two or three in the bunch that have a tiny little hole, and so you mm. bite into it, and then mm-hmm. the filling is like harder. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's bad news, bears, man. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That's not good. That's not right. I need to think about our episode title because it needs to be something Cadbury cream related, rich, poor, something like that. That's that's the direction I'm going in. I was going to Ryan Johnson, to, uh, <laughs> the poor man's Cadbury cream egg. <laughs> there you go. Winner. I was going to go in the direction of like Kyle doesn't watch Game of Thrones or something like really aggressive yeah. just to be a dick. But something. Yes. Cadbury cream, rich, poor, Ryan Johnson. There's need to percolate on that a little bit. All right. The answer's in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Kyle, as always, thank you for joining. And we'll see you guys back in two weeks where Kyle can bitch about his show and tear down and everything. So that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Peace out.